So I was probably talking on a handheld device trying to stay awake, and I needed coffee. So I went on in, and I got my coffee, and I came back out, and somebody had stolen my truck. What? It wasn't in the fuel island. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode 38 of Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Newsbomb Transportation. You asked for them, and we got them. AJ Edgington has been our most requested interview by other drivers and non-drivers alike. I've had numerous requests saying AJ would be so good, and I have to get AJ on the podcast. Well, we finally did it. I think he was avoiding us there for a little while, but... Once we had him in the studio, his wisdom, experience, and insight just poured out. And his his humility is present in everything he says and does. Now, before we play this exchange for you, I want to make an apology in advance regarding my inaccurate recalling of AJ standing in the Platinum Club. As you'll hear about midway through the interview, I recall that AJ ranked in at the number two spot in the latest Platinum listing. However, I was just a little bit off. While AJ is definitely a platinum driver, he has spent also uh, plenty of time in the top 10 and uh, and been close there, but he wasn't ranked quite that high when we recorded this interview, so that was my mistake. So my apologies to AJ for mixing that up, but I also want to give my sincerest apologies to the drivers who did make that top 10 in the second quarter. So to help make it up, I want to give a shout out to those top 10. Mike Klein, Derek Raby, Clark Reed, Rodney Poston. Kent Pitchford, Jeff Shoemaker, Jonathan Mittler, Emilio Scott, Hector Milan, and Jeff Wood. So many of these drivers have been regulars in the Platinum Top 10, with just a few of the names changing places occasionally in and out. So again, I apologize for my gaffe, and kudos to the stellar efforts of all the drivers in Platinum. Now, with that out of the way, here is, by peer request, A.J. Edgington. AJ, thanks for joining me here today. I'm I'm looking forward to finding out a little bit more about your story. Uh, you've been around here for uh, about five years or so, a little on and off there, but uh, pretty exciting to to have you here. Thank you. And also, I want to mention here that AJ, your wife Kim is is sitting here with us as well uh, in the studio today. But now Kim is not hearing us right now. No, she's deaf. Yeah, so she's she's reading our lips as as we do this, so she can. Uh, take this in because normally she doesn't get to hear the podcast. Correct. She doesn't. So if I put my hand over my mouth like this, <laughs> there's a reason. <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll remember that trick too. <laughs> I, I'm kidding, Kim. I said, I, 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 it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Kim scares me just a little bit. <laughs> no, I love it. So on that topic here, uh, being on the road yeah. and and with a wife at home that does have uh, hearing impairment, what's 
what's that like for you guys to be able to well, uh, stay in communication? In the beginning, it's when we didn't have the technology we have today, that's rough. But I would say now it's probably like any other couple because we have FaceTime. She can read my lips. We can text. Awesome. All the things that we didn't have before we have yeah. now. So from that standpoint, she's really not at a loss where that's – we're not at a loss right. where that's concerned now. And that's, it takes a pretty special woman to be married to a truck driver. And a special one to be married to you. Uh, yes. You know, Kim, I was, Kim laughed I was, really I was, fast on that. She did. <laughs> She's enjoying this a little too much. <laughs> Does that intimidate you anymore, <laughs> no, having her sitting in here? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm not intimidated. <laughs> so tell me about the, the, your family then as well. Well, we have four children, uh, two boys, two girls. The oldest is uh, 18 yesterday. Oh, my. Yesterday? Two days ago. Whoops. And uh, <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. And down to the youngest, which is 12. Two boys that play football that eat like they play football, and then my mother-in-law lives under my roof as well, and she's okay. got cancer, breast okay. cancer, but she's already been through all the chemo. It's okay. shrunk. She's getting ready to go through opera. So it's 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 good now. I think it's good. Looking, it's looking good very right very now. good. Yeah, awesome. looking very good. That's so, great. So I have eight mouths to feed, and that's one of the reasons I work the way I work. Yeah, because <laughs> you you actually. You're not home every weekend, no, right? No, I, I kind of go as my students need me and as the freight needs me, and then then we are very flexible. But if there's something at home that needs to be done, you guys are always great. If I let you know, Zimmy's my DM, and you guys make sure I'm there. So yeah. from that standpoint, we can't ask for any more for a trucking company, right? That just doesn't happen. So cool. we're thankful for that. Yeah. Now, um, you, you mentioned your oldest just turned 18. Yes, Is he graduated or starting senior year? It's here? a it's a she. And she she, okay. she is graduated, and right now I think she's going to take a year and save up a little bit of money okay. and maybe go local to school. She thinks she wants to be a nurse. We'll, we'll see. Kim looks a little skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's why it's good to maybe take that year and and figure things out and yeah. decompress and, and a little. I apologize. How old did you say your youngest was then? 12. 12. Going on 20. So actually, that's actually pretty similar to to my group there. You've only got about a um, six-year age gap between How many children do you have? I've got four as well. So oldest one going to be turning eight later this year. Uh, The youngest one is two. So so yeah, similar. (laughs) So I want to ask then, did people think you guys were crazy too then? Yeah, they say. That's what I get a lot. They say we have a big family. Right? But I had six siblings. Yeah. So to me, it's not unnatural at all to have four. And my granddad had 10. Mm-hmm. So we're stepping it down. <laughs> so I, I'm going to, I'm actually going to look to you guys for, for a little bit of advice here then. Cause okay. like I said, my oldest one's not quite eight yet. Just starting sec- just today's first day of school for them. Uh, so just going into second grade. Huh. Um, but it's just been nonstop crazy for us so far. Uh, the youngest one is potty training, and we're working on getting out of diapers. So we've not yet, since the first one was born, been out of diapers yet completely. We have had diapers in the house this entire time. So I'm looking forward to that. That day is coming soon. She's doing pull-ups most of the time, but uh, but there are days where you just want to pull your hair out. <laughs> AJ just pointed to his, his bald head. <laughs> You know, I used to shave mine just yes, to be prepared to make sure that I could actually 
be ready for that. And that's good. Uh, but uh, it's starting to gray now instead. <laughs> it is. Uh, but it, instead it, of falling out. Looks good. It's wisdom. Oh, thanks. You're thanks. You, yeah. you flatter me. Well, my wife runs a daycare for teachers' kids as well. Oh. So I don't think she's ever gotten out of the diaper phase yet. Oh, no. And that's 18 years. Whew. So don't run but a daycare. But she's not having to get up in the middle of the night to change those diapers true. anymore, right? Very true. So that, that's, that's, that's a big good, one. too. That's a big one. But do, do, does it get less crazy as time goes on? It or gets to be a different kind different of crazy. crazy? Yeah. yeah, it does. <laughs> Takes a lot of love. It is. We wouldn't trade them for all all the money in the world. Yeah. Takes a lot of love. Life takes a lot of love sprinkled on it. A lot of patience. Same thing with our training program. You got to sprinkle in a little bit of patience with a little bit of care and let them scrape their knee a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't let them break their leg. That hurts yeah, too much. Yeah, try to avoid that. And the insurance bill gets scrape their leg. Kids are the same way. Too high. Sometimes we, as parents, we want to shelter our children to yeah. the point that they never feel life and they never learn from a lesson. Kim's very, very good at uh, allowing them to get their bumps and bruises and then pick them up and dust them off and say, now, why did you get that bruise? And sometimes that little bit of love with a little mm-hmm. bit of life mixed in is the perfect recipe. Yeah. And that's my wife. That is that is excellent, excellent advice. See, I, I have the issue of being too quick to say, I told you that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I do not feel sorry for you right now. <laughs> Because I told you not to do that. <laughs> That's the father. <laughs> That's the father in you. <laughs> my my wife is will will probably have a little bit of that too. But she's she is quicker to ask, them, "Are you okay?" That's usually my second question. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I say that a little jokingly. There's times when you know that they're actually hurt and you need to take care. And of that's them. the first thing. So I don't yeah. want to, any DCFS being called on me or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> that's the last thing I want. <laughs> yeah. How, how have your kids done? Well, how, how long have you actually been driving? You've been with new spot. off and on for oh, these five this years. This is my 23rd year. 23rd. So they, they've always known you as they've a, always as a known truck me driver. As a driver. Yeah. Uh, how has that, um, relationship been with each of your kids then as them all growing up with a truck driver, dad, as a truck driver, I've had to learn over time that, it is the quality of the home time, not the quantity of the home time that really matters. And it, it matters to be there when they need you. That's where technology comes in, and I'll get a phone call, and, Dad, I need help with this problem or that problem. You need to be available for that. But when you're home, the quality matters. And a lot of people that are working 9-to-5 jobs get home, and they haven't grasped that concept at all. Mm-hmm. The yeah. home time, the quality isn't that important there. They're, they're not taking an interest in their children when they're home. So you can take an interest in your children, whether you're home for 34 hours or you're home every night. That's really what they see is, does dad care? Mm-hmm. And my, my kids, I think, know that their dad cares. What does that time look like? for you then well sometimes just doing what they want to do or being there to hear their stories and it it, didn't for my youngest one i don't think she has an off button maybe she gets that from me a little bit i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and she wants to talk about everything and none of it makes any sense to me but you just want to hear what Mm. her heart is it doesn't have to make sense you just have to listen (laughs) (laughs) nod and smile (laughs) nod and smile with the older ones it may just be dad i'm I'm thinking about this what do you think or Or dad, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's understanding that my need to be around them does not need to trump their ability to live when I'm home. Because when I come home, I mess up routines. Yeah. 
So there is a time to say, no, we're going to have family time. And I will do that. I will say, no, they're not having anybody over tonight. But sometimes it's just simply opening your door to their friends. Yeah. And being there, mm. even though you don't feel like it because you've been gone forever, but they all bring you joy. And I would rather them be with us a lot of times yeah. in this day and age than be at somebody else's sure. house. So it, it can come in all forms, just, you know, helping them to process life. And they'll tell you. If you listen to your children, they'll tell you what's on their mind. And it may be at an unexpected time, but they'll drop a little hint and you know, well, I need to listen here. Something's yeah. going on. Yeah. And sometimes just listening. I, I've, I've found that too, where it's just really important to make sure you're listening to your kids and understand what they're saying. Sometimes it's it's all, it can be trivial and, and nothing to it. But yeah, if you're staying in tune with them, yeah. that some, it's the key words or something that said that, yeah. There's something more I need to hear here and, and and let them talk it out and ask them some questions open-ended, let them talk it out. Right. Even, even at, for, for me, even at their young age that I've, I've got, I, I swear I'm, I'm raising teenagers. Yeah. And, um, but cause these, these kids are so smart oh. and, and they're, and my oldest especially is so in tune with his, his feelings as far as just understanding, you know, things, the way he feels about certain things and, uh, he's just, and he's a very empathetic mm. with people as well. He can understand when something with you is off mm. as well. And so he's the first one to come and like, are you okay? And, and it's, it's, it's really awesome. I love that. That's a gift. So, so Kim's saying that you have made really a regular intentional effort to reach out call your kids on a daily basis yeah. and, and have some conversation with them. It's important. They need to know that, yeah, dad's busy, but he still cares. And sometimes it's just a phone call and they know, like all my students know, I'm a phone call away. Yeah. Doesn't matter what time of day, believe me, they will take you up on it. So will your students. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that. So my dad didn't spend a lot of um, years on the road yeah. driving, but, um, and I was older when he started doing that. I will uh, worry you if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, no. So it, so he's been in the, what, in the office here now for eight, nine years or so. I don't know, it might be more than that now. Uh, so I guess we're talking back. I would have been, I would, would have been out of high school, out of high school. So it's probably early twenties. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll say that then when he would have started driving. Uh, so, yo, know, I was still living in their house. Um, but you know, I was working full time doing my thing. I wasn't doing the student gig. Um, but I know like there'd be times it was nice. Just he'd call me up and I need some help with directions. Cause this was before the smartphones mm. and everything, even at this point uh, and a lot of this. And so, but you did have the internet, you could go on to map quest at that point in time and, and start looking at some things. And it's like, I need to you know make sure I'm going to get this right. And just verify some information. He and it was nice just to have that conversation. Call. He said you were the one to call. Well, that's, I have heard that story. <laughs> my my siblings don't listen to this, I'm sure. So <laughs> we can say that all we want. <laughs> but you know, just even even if we didn't have deep conversations or anything yeah. like that, just being able to talk and you know have that little bit of interaction throughout the week yeah. that was that was huge. Yeah. It was nice. I grew up. I mean, um, having him working second shift jobs like at Mitsubishi in the in the plant. Um, so I was used to him not being around sure. in the evenings, 
but I still got my one-on-one or, you know, quality time in the, the morning. Day. And he did a great job of being yeah. intentional as well. Uh, so, you know, I see that with you then of yeah. really making sure that the time that you have uh, and those sacrifices, I mean, really there's, there's sacrifice being made there as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're doing the work thing, but there's probably things that you would love to be doing otherwise in, in this, what I'll call quote unquote free time on weekends at home, you know, whether that's fishing or going doing what, uh, you know, with buddies or something, but you're choosing to make sure that time is spent with family. Yeah. Like really the kids are my hobby. Yeah. When I'm home, I, I, there's, uh, you know, I was raised in a log cabin out in the woods and, um, I could hunt and I could fish, and at this point in time, to me, the most important thing, uh, my hobbies are spending with my family, and that is my hobby. Is some of that time spent hunting and fishing? No, no, no. It would be if the boys had anything to say so about, but <laughs> then the girls would get left out. So. <laughs> yeah, we we do watch. I like to oh, watch my boys play football and like to watch it with them, and and uh, um. Just kind of hang out with my children and my wife, and yeah. go back home and see mom and dad. I got one grandma that's still alive, and so go okay. see them when we can. And 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 that's not as often as I'd like to. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> that's what I yeah. do for a living. But usually your your off time is spent doing things that you would normally do at other times. So yeah. that's just the way it is. And yeah. So I guess I never have thought that I'm, I've never thought that I'm giving up something to spend that time. Mm. It's never hit me that way no. because this is all I've known take care of your job you go home and you take care of your family and then doing your job right you're taking care of your family too that's all i've known i guess i've never had time to develop actual hobbies although <laughs> when i was young before we were married i did have some time in the air and, and i never did finish that i guess if oh, i really? had any hobby that would probably be it be flying yeah i'd be flying but a hundred an hour i'm not going to be flying anytime soon <laughs> that is not a cheap hobby <laughs> no and that, and that was back in 97 or yeah. 8 that i was flying so I, I I know some people that, that do it, and it's, it seems really neat and uh, could be something fun to do. But uh, yeah. yeah, I know it's not cheap. To, no. oh. <laughs> that the, time, was the time that you have to invest in it too. Yeah, that was then. And yeah, I can't even imagine what it yeah, is I'm now sure. with inflation. I don't even have a clue. <laughs> but so let's talk a little bit about your time here at Newsbomb. Uh, we've mentioned a couple times, hinted at that off and on over the past five years, there was a stint there where you did leave. News bomb uh, a few years ago. Uh, My brother owns five trucks, and he called me and said that there was an opportunity to haul groceries, and uh, it was like two twenty-five a mile, plus like fifty dollars a stop for Mm -hmm. power unit only. So for those that have been owner operators, that's actually pretty good money. Yeah, if you can get it consistently, and I did for probably three or four months consistently, and then come to find out it wasn't actually a written contract. Which is a bad so thing to find to, out. This was supposed after to be like leave. a dedicated, <laughs> yeah, a deal. dedicated deal that never panned out. Uh, and and so you know, I ended up running uh, road freight with them, just trying to survive. And mm. I said, no, I did it about a month. I said, no, if I'm going to run over the road, it's going to be at Newsbomb. And so uh, I still, I got rid of my truck and came back and so never the, looked back. With that being family, what what how has that dynamic changed at all? Has no, that no. been affected? Is that no everything? He, yeah, I didn't buy it, my truck from him. Okay. I just worked with him. And okay. so it, it didn't affect that in any way. And he, he understands yeah. the trucking world very, very well. He's just, uh, my my brother is one of those independent souls who could not uh, work for anybody 
<laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. You've probably run into those before. <laughs> in, in fact, actually, I, I, I always thought I was that person as well. Did you? That I mean, I've always worked for somebody else a lot, and I've tried doing the, the thing on my own. Um, but I like working with people. And I, I, do. I do too. And, and having people around, so and, and having a group that works with me as well. So now, your brother drives a truck. You drive a truck. And you said how many siblings total you've got? I, I have uh, three brothers and three sisters. Okay. Two of my brothers are truck drivers, okay. and one of my, uh, my brother-in-law is a truck driver. Okay. My dad spent a little time driving local when I was a little boy from Chattanooga over Mont Eagle to some town. I don't know hauling groceries. So we've we've grind some gears in our family over the years. Yeah. So so that that probably came pretty naturally for you then. It was Yeah, I mean, I'm an old farm boy. Yeah. And uh my grandma and grandpa on my mom's side lived in Tilton, Illinois off of Ross Lane. And if you're familiar with Tilton, Ross Lane is an as a road that will go down and there'll be some there'll be some industry down there. And when I was a little boy, I would sit there and wait for the trucks to go by and get them to honk their horns. So I think <laughs> I think I think it was in my blood from early on that I yeah. was a free spirit and ready to roll. So Yeah. So so trucking rather than now was there actual farming in the family as well yes. then? Yeah, my granddad owned a small farm about about three hundred and seventy five acres. Okay. Which back then that wasn't as small as okay. it is today. Yeah. But we okay. had cows and we had we had pigs and 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 chickens and made maple syrup and lived in a log cabin and uh, we got the wood for the cabin from the fields and milled them out ourselves and the the rocks for the foundation and the fireplace from the creek bottom and the field beds and polyurethane those and really little house on the prairie little that? house on the prairie <laughs> the little house in the big woods maybe <laughs> so so we were I was yeah definitely on the farm when I was raised yeah. but. Never the brain of the operation, obviously. <laughs> Some of the back. <laughs> well, hey, that's that's just as necessary, I think. Yeah. Huh. But I think that, you know, in the whole farming kind of lifestyle, that lends to larger families. Partly you work. need the bodies, the people doing yeah, some of the work I mean, to keep up. But that's there's a lot of good life values, I think, that comes out of that. I didn't have that specifically growing up. My dad he did. It has a lot of similarities yeah. to you there. Um, so some of that carries over, I think. I do. Uh, but I didn't have that same sort of uh, true upbringing and, and being on a farm and doing that kind of work. But As it translates into what we do now, when I came out, and you're, I've heard your dad talk about this too, but when I came out, a lot of the guys that came out and learned how to drive, they had exposure to something, mm-hmm. whether it was a tractor and a wagon or their dad drove or mm-hmm. We don't live in that world anymore. We get people that they might drive a smart car before they get their CDL, which makes the dynamic of teaching these people and what Newsbomb does so vitally important because it doesn't come natural to these guys like it did to your father and probably like it did to me for the most mm-hmm. for the most part. You know, there's some transition from farm equipment to what we do now. But man, is it different what we do now to what we did then? Yeah, the people coming out. So, as you've just been talking here, I I think we all hear this that you're passionate about helping and educating, you know, the new incoming drivers and getting people up to speed and helping yeah. them be successful. Yeah, where does that passion come from? Why 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 does that seem so important to you? Because it's the way we used to do it. I didn't learn from, I mean, I had a skid pad 
training at Schneider, and I've had some Smithism system mm-hmm. education, and I've had, uh, I guess, uh, before you guys, I've been, I've done a few things from from unbaffled tankers to refrigerated units to flatbeds to twenty-ton uh, roll-offs to. Um, you name it, I've just about done it, except for bull hauling. I don't really have an interest in that. I was raised on a farm. That's enough of that. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave that one off the list. <laughs> but when I was an owner-operator for 12 years, I learned from older owner-operators. And when I was a driver, I learned from other drivers, sometimes over the CB, sometimes face-to-face. And there was courtesy. You, you came into a truck stop, you shut your lights off, so you weren't blinding people. Same thing coming up to a cash box. Same thing coming up to a scale house. You didn't even want to blind the scale master. You know, yes, uh, it's cowboys and Indians a little bit with them in those days. <laughs> Sometimes they catch you and other times you catch them, right? Yeah. But it's changed a lot. But there was courtesy. If if you moved over to let a, a semi onto the road, that semi didn't throttle and hold you out there. He let you around. Then he went around if he had more horses than you do. It was a different world. Mm-hmm. And everything that I know about trucking, somebody stopped me, right? Everything. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great training system like you guys have here. It was just the way we did it. So that's the way it's it's ingrained in me that that's what you do. You help the other drivers around you, whether you know them or not. They can drive for a, compet- a competitor. I don't care if they're ha- if they're struggling getting in the dock or they're struggling route planning, and I'm there and I can help them. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm gonna do because that was done for me. Yeah. Well, and I, w- I want to tell you that. You have been probably the most requested interview that I do. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> Add some extra pressure here. But I've had so many people, other drivers that have come up to me and say, you've got to get AJ on the podcast. He, he, you, need to, you need to get him on there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's due to the impact that you've had with other people, sharing what you've learned and giving that back. And you are now you're, – you're one of our training engineers – Yes, sir. And so you're actively working with our incoming drivers that have maybe never been behind other than getting their CDL and doing that, but have not experienced over the road driving or maybe more than even a few weeks of, yeah. of experience. What, what, how has that experience been for you of intentionally training these guys, getting one-on-one time with them behind the wheel, you, you sitting there in the passenger seat and it's and an adventure. Um, I remember my first train the trainer, and you guys do an excellent job getting us prepared. The uh, the, the folks that are involved in that, my hats off to them. And and uh, I remember talking about the different kind of adult learning styles. And I'm listening to that, going, you know, I'm I'm very hands on learner, you know, common sense. So I'm listening to the different styles of learning, analytical. Mm-hmm. Somebody also somebody that's more aggressive style, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right. It's driving a truck. How hard can it be, right? If you know, you, you just you put it in drive. You need you you uh, go make a delivery. It's not rocket science. Would you believe the first student we got was so analytical? By the middle of the first week, he was still doing an hour and a half pre-trip inspections. Oh my! And I realized very quickly that there was a lot to the side to that side of it that I didn't even know that you guys prepared me for, but each student has taught me something um, uh, to build on. Every time that I've failed to convey something where somebody would understand and had to critique and to change that, you learn. 
you learn. Backing is commonly the most difficult thing to teach. And I am not the same trainer I was four years ago when it comes to teaching backing because I've had to learn. I know how to do this. How do I tell you? Yeah. That is the most difficult thing. And you guys help equip and prepare us, but sometimes it's just getting out there and getting knee deep in the mud and figuring out that was the wrong way to teach. (laughs) 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 Trial and error and learning. And the second student I got back to different kinds of adult styles of learning is probably the most aggressive uh, guy that I've ever ran into, but it was his learning style. And each person learns a little differently. So as a trainer, You've got to adapt. If you don't adapt, they don't make it. If you have a hard, fast, this is the way I drive a truck, and this is the way you're going to drive it, this is the way I learn, this way, you won't make it as a trainer. You won't because everybody's different. And you can teach me something about electronics, and I may be looking at you like, you're speaking Chinese, and my wife would be over there with her phone going, oh, yeah, I never knew that. Oh, good, right. You know, and I'm going, same thing behind the wheel. It's not the same for everybody. Yeah. Everybody's different, and you've got to get a feel for your student. You've got to learn what's their weaknesses, what's their strengths. It doesn't take long if you watch. I always get made fun of because a lot of times my style will be not to address something during the day in the heat of the moment unless it's safety. Yeah. If you're going to kill me, we got to talk about it now, right? I mean, we're going to talk <laughs> about that talk now. about that now than after the fact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, better now than after the fact. But, you know, sometimes in the heat of the moment, if you take their attention off the road to focus on something that could be addressed later when they're calm and collected and you're calm and collected, you're doing them a disservice and you're taking their mind off the road. But if you wait till the end of the day when you're decompressing and you start to say, oh, you did great today. Do you remember when this happened? Yeah. I would like to see you work on this in that scenario. Oh, by the way, you did this very, very well. That was improvement from day one, day two. You don't just tell them the negative. You tell them the positive. And the negative you package and deliver in a way that you would want to be told you did something wrong. Yeah. And that's the way I address it. Now it's being looked at in context context. of the bigger picture. That and, And you're not only working on corrective measures. You're encouraging the positive stuff as well. Yeah. Boy, that could really bring it down if you're really just living on, on that negative stuff and and you got to fix this and fix this. That'll make somebody feel like they're just a terrible (laughs) student. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. You don't ever want them to feel like that. You've arrived. Mm. This is a journey from the day one. I like that. And you grow every day and learn every day. And I train drivers that are just out of school. I can't train drivers that have driven 15 years. That's the one that almost killed me. That's another story all in and of itself. <laughs> I take guys into the mountains. And you know what? I don't. I still feel like I am such at such a deficit of knowledge. When we start talking about DOT regs and stuff like that, and I study it and I try to catch up on it, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I can't get there. Yeah. I can't get there. And you never will. But if you keep attempting to get there, you'll get, high, you'll get better. Because you're climbing, you're climbing, and the same way with the students. And the thing is, you, as a, as a trainer, you can do a great disservice to your student by expecting them to be where you are. Mm. They're not going to be. They're not going to be. It, and I'm fine with training them about our scorecard. That's great. But you know what? 
If you give them safety, that takes care of the majority of our scorecard right there. And you can get them lost in too many details in phase two where their mind is just Sometimes just focus on safety, focus on the good things they're doing, the things they need to do to get from the first trainer to the second trainer. It'll come a time when your dad will get them and say, hey, let's work on this scorecard a little. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, and so, so even talking about that then and, and working with our, our in-house trainers here, so like yeah. my dad, Dale, yeah. and then you're a veteran driver. You've got a, a lot of experience. Yeah. Um, have there been any major incidents that you've had in, in your career? Uh, well, we've all had a battle scar. So which one do you want to know about? <laughs> what sticks out the most? What's the, what's the most uh, impactful for you? Well, back in the day when we'd run more logbooks than we were entitled to, mm-hmm. I had been up for, to my shame, probably three days straight. And... In those days, in all fairness to me, I was an owner-operator. They didn't pay you what they should be paying you. They ran you as hard as they could to get as much work as two or three guys would do out of one. That was the way it was back then. And I was coming back from Wisconsin, and I'd been up for probably two to three-day range with maybe a two-hour nap here or two-hour nap there. And I was just thinking I was going to get down the line and go to bed, and my phone rings, and they said, we need you to come back down here and go to St. Louis. And I'm like, I'm exhausted, but you didn't say no unless, you know, you just didn't say no because they knew they could sit you and starve you. Mm. They knew where your bread was buttered and you couldn't say no. And uh, so I said, well, all right, let me stop and get some coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And I put my guardian angels on, on overtime because I pulled into the truck stop there at, if you, if you get off at uh, the, off of 94 at the Illinois Wisconsin line, there's a TA there and there's an older truck stop there as well. Randall Road, I believe it is. And you get off on Randall Road and you you go west and if you turn right you go in the fuel islands at the truck stop. And this was right after cell phones come out. So I was probably talking on a handheld device trying to stay awake and I needed coffee, so I went on in and I got my coffee and I came back out and somebody had stolen my truck. What? It wasn't in the fuel island. No, they hadn't stolen it. I didn't set the brakes. <laughs> Oh, no. I was so tired, and I was distracted by an electronic device. And it rolled backwards, and by the grace of God, it rolled backwards, and it kind of jackknifed, and it it jumped a curb, and the sidewall of the tire brushed the base of a concrete post that was holding the light, and the light bulb fell down. That was it. That was it. There were were fuel pumps across the street, and it went straight. Uh, uh Uh-huh. You can't tell me God does not know what he's doing because he's protected me many times for myself. So I say that to say this. You can be upset with the direction we're going as an industry with these electronic logs, not me. I don't like being pushed. There was a time when being pushed would get guys killed. So... That's an embarrassing story. I mean, the truth is. But I tell all my guys, I get phone calls, oh, I backed into this, or I did that, or I did that. I said, if you're going to be out here, you're going to have a battle scar. Don't focus on the pain of the wound. Learn from the scar and move on. If you sit there and focus on that wound, you're going to have another problem very, very mm. quickly. You've got to have a short memory when it comes to the pain and a long memory when it comes to the lesson. And 
most of the guys, they feel sorry for themselves a little bit. I said, well, you can feel sorry for yourself tonight, but get over it tomorrow. <laughs> We're moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> right. So coming into New Spawn with that experience and, you know, those battle scars and everything, yeah. in an environment like this where training is still an ongoing thing, not just you as a trainer, yeah, but you're also working on your own improvement sure. and everything. How do you feel about that coming in here? I mean, I, I get the sense of oh, how you feel about this. but I love it. Uh, there's a lot of guys, though, that will come in as veterans that have been doing this 20-plus years. And like I've never had an accident yet, never, mm-hmm. never major thing. Um, I've millions of safe miles, quote unquote, and you know I don't really need all this. And you know, yeah, I'll come in, but I'm not going to worry about the scorecard system and being platinum and everything. I'll just come in here and do my thing and and all that. But what what would you say about that? I mean, what's your take on the on the whole thing? Well, when I first got here, I I just came off of being an owner operator, and I thought I was pretty good at fuel mileage and i was good at safety because i had the smith system several years mm-hmm. ago intensive but fuel mileage i thought was i was pretty decent i was an owner operator and i was pretty paid pretty close attention to detail it affects your bottom line right yeah <laughs> and i was in a t660 kenworth with eight mm-hmm. drive tires two rear ends a wabasco heater 13 speed manual transmission 70 mile an hour on the cruise when i got here yep. it, did you, i loved it right you know that just fit me perfectly and then your dad talked to me. He said, uh, come in, do a fuel run. I'm like, a fuel what? He said, a fuel run. And and, and he came in and he told me that we, I was just going to reset the odometer and drive the course, we call it, right? Mm-hmm. I drove the course and I thought I did pretty good. And then he took me to the woodshed and showed me that I wasn't <laughs> doing there as good as I thought I was. In, a, in, a, in his kind and gentle way, he, he has a way of bringing that across and uh, so I learned I have a lot to learn. And as like I said a little bit ago, I don't care how long you've been driving, you got stuff to learn. And if the stuff you learn increases your safety and also puts more money in your pocket, if you're not willing to do that, I don't know what you're doing out here. I don't. What are you doing out here? You just biding time, just hoping you don't have a problem? Man, you gotta care. You got to care about your bottom line, about getting home to your family, about everybody else getting home to their family. And sometimes you think you're good, then somebody takes some blinders off and helps you see you can be better. No, I can still be better. Yeah. Now I want to just take a moment here to give you a little bit of a, you know, put you on a little bit of a pedestal here for a moment. I know (laughs) you're a very humble guy, but now if I'm not mistaken, your your score and your attention to everything this last quarter put you right near the top. Am I? I you're getting ready to laugh at me again. <laughs> um, but honestly, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. Well, I'm I, I'm I, I don't have this in front of me. Okay. And I don't know if you've got a link here or not here to to pull this up, but um, I'm. Pretty sure you were number two. Oh, in in, in the list this last time. I, I want to say right behind Mike Klein. I believe it. Um, both of you putting Clark down to third or so. Um, <laughs> but just some outstanding scores coming coming from you guys. And now, did did Mike get to train with you? No, but he's going with me on a winter mountain face training because Mike is uh, 
he understands that he wants to continue to learn to, and I love that about Mike. He'll mm-hmm. call you and ask questions, and we all learn from each other yeah. as trainers do. But he's going to go with me this winter, and so is John Rust, and we're going to throw some chains yeah. and slip and slide on the side of the mountain. And all of you guys are sitting up there in, in yeah. that top tier for yeah. sure. And I, I think this is indicative of, of, of your guys' willingness to continue learning. Yeah. That it's interesting that you're not complacent here. You're sitting in the very top, top tier of our, if we're looking at scorecard system and everything, and these points that we can kind of categorize this, you're at the top, but you're not satisfied with where you are. You, you've got more to learn. And I know even talking to you as you're going through the certified red program, you ended up with a reset in there that, that set you back. And, and honestly, it was an honest Learning situation uh, <laughs> that, that happened there. You know, we don't need to get into it. It was just simple, just, you know, turning, going down the wrong road, right? Right. Um, that had weight restriction on it. But, um, you know, so, yeah, you kind of got that little bit of a. Do you other, know what I tell all my guys? It's not about perfection. It's about good habits. Yeah. And if I model something that's unreachable and I don't model truth, which is the truth is, I'm going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. They're going to feel like they can't make one. Yeah. And then what are they going to do? They're going to make a ton because they're trying not to make one. Yeah. You got to let them see you're real. Yeah. Uh, the reason I don't know my score, because <laughs> 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 ever since I've been here, I always said that my score is always a reflection of what I need to work on. I try to be very careful that people don't feel like my score is something that they need to reach. They can look at their score and say, you know what, if I do this, this, and this, I might get here. They don't need to look at mine and say, I need to get there. They need to grow as they they can grow. Mm-hmm. And eventually, they'll get there. But I honestly don't ever know what I'm ranked. I don't ever really know what my score is. I see more of my students' score far more than I do mm-hmm. mine. I'm just telling you that just straight out because – I never use my scorecard for anything as but a parameter of what I need to work on. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, right now, the one thing that I can work on is my overall speed, and I did that a little bit last month. That's that's probably why I jumped up a little bit. Um, but again, I train that, that it's not a 65-mile-an-hour thing or a 60-mile-an-hour thing. It's what does the load require? Then how do you drive that 65? How do you get there? How do you drive once you're there? That determines where you're platinum. Because there's days I'm not anywhere close. Months I'm not close to the top. I'm more middle of the pack. I can run 65 all month long and still be middle of the pack because I'm taking care of safety first. Mm-hmm. Because it's always it's always safety first. Then it's the customer. Then it's the scorecard. No. And the truth is taking care of safety takes care of 80 to 90% of that scorecard. It really does. And, and I, this is where I, I kind of go back and forth and I've talked with Jeremy and we've, we've all kind of had this conversation is where that room for improvement on the scorecard is concerned. It's under the fuel category. Sure. But I think we're, we're all in agreement that it's just as much a safety category as, as anything sure. as it is fuel, because it's really teaching you those habits that will affect your fuel Yes. As well. And that's where kind of we see a lot of the benefits from, but we also recognize the benefits of safety that comes with that because you are undoubtedly a safer driver in in all that process. Exactly right. When you're leaving a following distance, 
and you're making gentle lane changes and you're not being aggressive, your fuel will go up. Mm-hmm. And so will your safety, right? Yeah. And, and you know, there's times where you can slow down because you've got all the time in the world. Well, slow down, that's no brainer. There's times you've got to kick it up. Okay, kick it up. But how do you kick it up? If you kick it in gear and you get aggressive and you're making hard lane changes and you're up on the throttle and you're, you're following too close to the guy in front of you and you're not letting stupid get away, which is one of my famous phrases from my students, you got to let stupid get away. <laughs> and if you have a, and, that, and I'm not calling people stupid. I'm just saying stupid will happen in front yeah. of you all the time. Yeah. You see, any driver out there is going to be able to you know, empathize with that and say, yeah, absolutely, all the time, all yeah. the way around. you got to let stupid get away. you got to have room for stupid to happen. We had this conversation again, this, um, this train, the trainer, about leaving following distance in rush hour traffic. I'm here to tell you it can be done. You know how I know? Because each of my students do it. And the interesting thing about rush hour traffic is if you don't have that cushion in rush hour traffic for stupid to happen, it's going to happen on you. Mm-hmm. And I always hear, well, people are going to jump in my cushion. Yeah, they do. But they're in a hurry to get up there and slam on the brakes about another three or four seconds ahead yeah. of you. And they'll come to a complete stop and they'll go mm-hmm. again. They'll come to a complete stop and they'll go again. And I'm just back here moseying along in creep mode or a little higher. And I'm giving room for stupid to happen. There's a video of me from the camera that happened on the GW Bridge with Marcus Hook where I had room for stupid to happen in rush hour traffic on the just before the entrance to the George Washington Bridge. If that if that room hadn't been there, we would have had a container trailer on top of our hood. Because a van came over without looking, the container trailer came over without looking. I had to squeeze to the left, which was full of trucks and a restricted truck route. But with that space in front of me, there was room for stupid to happen mm-hmm. in front of me. If you yeah. don't leave it, it's going to happen right where you are. I, I remember right. growing up, uh, learning to drive. My dad would teach me. Um, and I, I, I never understood why you'd want it. And, and even still to this day, it, it's it's a little tough to kind of uh, wrestle with. But the idea of let, as you call it, the stupid. But you know, if you see something going on, just let it be up there. Let it be up there. Let it be up there in front of you. Don't try to get around it even. Just, just let it take place up there. You watch it. You be prepared for whatever's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> I always wondered in the wintertime why you're going to be on icy roads and cars are leaving about half a car length oh, in goodness. between them yeah. and trucks too. It's like they think there's safety in numbers. <laughs> really? Uh, how's that going to work for you? <laughs> Uh, that's that's an interesting way to put that. I mean, it's true. You see that all the time. Yeah. And as as Jeremy will put it, is is competing for space, space, yeah. space com- competition, and it's not necessary. You're not going to get there any quicker. You're not realistically. I mean, what? Maybe a minute. Yeah. Maybe. Um. Through all of that, and it's it's just not worth it. No. And how's your blood pressure comparatively? When I get through rush hour traffic using the Smith system, mine's fine. Everybody around me is pretty angry when they get home. Yeah. Pretty worked up. Not me. Not my students. If they continue to drive like I teach them. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Oh, I, you man. know what? I will say, that, and this is a testament to all of our trainers, yeah. um, you included, but I think we have seen some really good success with our trainees that have come I in and have gone through the program 
and graduated and are now doing their thing. I think about the Mike Kleins, the the Jeff Woods, the Maya Hernandez's, yeah. and, and, and countless others right now yeah. that have come through and are now su- succeeding and excelling in their career. I agree. And you guys have done a great job. You know, I think of some of these names I've mentioned They're are hot. now trainers themselves. Yeah, they are. And are passing that along as well. Yeah, it's it's because of the platform that you guys have given us to work under. I mean, we're not alone. If I come up against something that I can't handle, you guys are a phone call away. Another trainer's a phone call away. You know, we're not alone. That's a far different feel than what you had when we started, when I started. You were alone. You said bye to your trainer and you got in your truck. That was it. So if somebody wasn't willing to step up and help you, it just wasn't there. And it is different calling AJ or one of your trainers, another driver, it's different calling one of you than calling your driver manager, somebody in operations or whatever, when there's, it's different, right? It is. It is. I mean, there's things that it needs to be a driver manager call. Sure. But in the day-to-day operations, the things, hey, how does this, uh, how does this uh, tandem release work? Where is it? I can't find it. Well, it's up by the glad hands, you know. Or mm-hmm. uh, how much air pressure do I have in this tire? Hey, does this look okay? I get pictures all day long of mm. different equipment problems. Is this legal? Is this okay? And, you know, that's one of the things I do in News Bomb Academy is work on pre-trip inspections. And I feel like I don't know that I'm really the man for the job some days because there's just so much to keep up on. And I try to make sure I'm teaching it right. Yeah, and the, those pictures, I think of Darla Smith telling me that, she sent you one time a picture of her chain up. Yep. And and what was your reaction to that? I said if a 61-year-old woman could put chains on on cabbage in the middle of, I don't know if it was January or February, then I don't want to hear it from the other guys that they can't do it. <laughs> but she did a good job with, with it. With a right? hip she, replacement. She had it perfect. Yeah. Did uh, I say that? Okay. With a hip replacement. Yeah, with a hip replacement, right? Uh, she uh, did an excellent love Darla. job. Yeah, she's excellent. But it's nice to be able to send that off to a fellow driver. Yeah. And just verify, even if you know, I am 99% certain I'm good. It doesn't hurt to have that check. No, it doesn't. And especially if you don't mind getting that, it's not an annoyance, right? No. We're here together. It might get annoying for her sometimes because sometimes it does not end. (laughs) (laughs) So even even in your downtime, right? Yeah, it'll happen at home. And that's okay. She's used to it by now. And I just say, sorry, honey. She said, take care of it. You know, so I'm going to circle back here uh, before we finish, but... I think that, you know, as you talk about even having that during your downtime at home, uh, the job hasn't necessarily completely left you uh, or you haven't completely left the job uh, that way. Um, But one of the things of being a truck driver for so many years, having your kids grow up that way, your wife, your spouse, that support that happens there is so important. I think you've got to have that there for this to work. It's vital. And I, I, I hear that often enough from from drivers it, it's it's otherwise just a real stress if you don't have that yeah. i think if, if things aren't right at home it's pretty tough to do what we do let alone teach somebody else what to do it's, but it's 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 always been easy for you guys right oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're human yeah I, I'm, I'm sure there's been times that you've struggled with and times where i'm betting kim has said i I don't know if we can keep you out. If, the, if this is going to continue to work, you know, I really need you home. I, I'm sure that has, has that ever kind of come up at least in your thoughts anyway, Kim, yeah. where um, 
Yeah. It's, it's tough. And you're thinking, I'm not sure we can keep doing it this way. Yeah. And in the end, you have to know that you're in the center where God wants you to be. If you're there, he'll protect your home. That's pretty cut and dry. No. Doesn't mean it's not without prayer and it's not without some bumps Doesn't and make, bruises. Doesn't mean it's easy. It isn't. And it isn't. And, but you know, if you go home for about four or five days, they want you to go back out on the road. There is that aspect of it. That <laughs> you know, that's been consistent. I've heard that. Like, okay, you can go back now. Uh, Let us go back to our routine now. Yeah. There, there is that, but yeah, I, is. I think that's awesome. Like I said, you know, for Kim here to, yeah. to be that support system back at home, yeah. knowing that the kids are being taken care of and everything. Yeah. Um, I couldn't do it without her. If I didn't know my kids were in good hands with their mama and that my mom, that their mama was okay, yeah. I wouldn't be out here. So it takes a special woman. And it, To go with it. She goes with so me she in does the summer with you, now. So. And yeah, that, well, I think that's great because I've, you know, in my time here as well, I, I finally got to meet Kim um, a handful of weeks back, maybe a couple yeah. couple months yeah. ago. Uh, but that was so quick. It was like in the parking lot <laughs> and everything. Um, but it's been nice, you know, with you being here this week, Kim, uh, with AJ doing Train the Trainer yeah. and everything. We've gotten to see you a couple of times. I've talked to you a little bit more. We've talked over email for like Move It and stuff uh, <laughs> yeah. before. And uh, she probably thought that she was really bothering me with all that. But, <laughs> I just wanted to take one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, you know, even yeah. weekends and stuff, you know, taking care of things and, and being there to help. I think yeah. we're all in this together. Um, but it's been really nice to meet you too, Kim. Um, so yeah. I, I want to ask then with the, through this interview, this is, Kim's first time getting to really take part in a podcast, being able to listen and kind of take one in. So what do you think? Did AJ do okay? He did awesome. <laughs> he did awesome. <laughs> so, and, but AJ, that was, you've been, you've been dodging me <laughs> for a while here. So, uh, but thank you You're so welcome. much for My taking pleasure. this time. Uh, and uh, I, I totally get why, Everybody's been asking for you to get get on here. Um, really appreciate your insight, your, your passion and care for for the rest of our driving family. Um, so so nice to see uh, that that kind of insight. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank thank you both for being here. Hmm. Thanks for being part of the Newsbomb family. We really appreciate you both. Uh, AJ, thanks so much for everything that you do for for our students and other drivers as well. I really really appreciate you having you here. Thank you, Philip. Appreciate you. Thanks, AJ. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Nussbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Nussbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to Nussbaum.com or NussbaumJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then, go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, TerminalExchange.org.